Kia ora friends, before we jump into the podcast, I uh, just want to let you know that we are in the process of uh, raising uh, Kia ora friends. Before we jump into the podcast, just wanted to let you know that we are in the process of inviting everyone in our church to uh, give sacrificially to our building offering. Uh, we're going to uh, celebrate what God has done at the end of this month, but if you're part of Bay Vineyard, we'd love you to be part of the story that God's writing uh, and to pray about what it looks like to play your part in us uh, walking into a, a building that we can call our own, that we can do all of the things that our heart longs to do in greater ways, serving the community, making disciples, seeing people discover the wonder of who Jesus is. So if you can think about uh, what it looks like to be involved uh, via prayer and fasting and giving, we'd be so grateful. Uh, the information on how you can give is on our website. Let's hit the podcast. So those uh, that are joining us, we uh, follow very intentionally the church calendar. And the reason that we do that is because we want to be formed uh, in the image of Jesus. We want to become more like Jesus. And uh, the church has been going for quite a long time, it turns out. Uh, A lot longer than the last uh, however many years you've been alive. And uh, over thousands of years, the church and its wisdom, very early on actually, was like, man, there's certain Uh, moments in the life of Jesus and a couple of key doctrine things that we just need to get in our hearts. So let's cycle through that every year. So today's Trinity Sunday, uh, and this is the church calendar. We have taken a journey through Advent and Christmas and Epiphany and Lent and Easter. Last week, we celebrated Pentecost, uh, and that was a, a zinger of a service. I was watching it on the drive home. Well, I wasn't watching it on the, I was listening to it on the drive home from Masterton, um, where I joined a, like, a whole stack of other churches in Masterton, and God was there pouring out His Spirit. And then I was driving home going, ooh, same God's at Bay Vineyard pouring out his spirit. Isn't that awesome? And then today uh, is Trinity Sunday, and then we go into ordinary time. I love ordinary time, because how much of life is just ordinary time, right? Left foot, right foot with Jesus. And so uh, we're going to kick back into our I Am series uh, next uh, week. Uh, But today we're going to look at Trinity Sunday, which is meant to be uh, the preacher's nightmare, because it is uh, heresy minefield everywhere. But we're going to go there because it's super important that we understand the beauty of the Trinity. So our text from today is a familiar one, Matthew 28, verses 16 to 20. You can stay seated for this today, but um, this is what the text says. At the end, uh, then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, so this is after Jesus has been resurrected, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. This is the word of the Lord. So the Trinity is a bit of a head-scratcher to get your head round, but it's a doctrine that really changes everything. The J-dubs, the Jehovah's Witnesses, believe in Jesus, but don't believe that he's God. Um, Lots of people like Jesus, um, but really they're more into some sort of Eastern vibe about God and wouldn't go so far as to say that Jesus is God. But the early church fathers, as they continued to sit with what Jesus did and the centrality of his resurrection, 
came to the obvious conclusion that he is God. So there's no other religion that says this, that God is triune, that there is one God containing three persons, three and one, which makes it, it's a tricky thing to get your head around. I think you can get your heart around it a little easier than your head. Um, J.I. Packer, a phenomenal theologian, says the historic doctrine of the Trinity confronts us with perhaps the most difficult thought the human mind has ever been asked to handle. (laughs) Cool. Okay, so let's talk about the most difficult thing (laughs) that the human mind has ever been asked to handle. Sweet. Um, To be Trinitarian is to be Christian, though. Um, And again, there's heresies everywhere. Um, Unitarianism says there's only one person. So it isn't three. Polytheism says there's three gods and they get on kind of really well. Uh, subordinationism says that the Father's really in charge and Jesus and the Spirit do what the Father tells them. Modalism is that God kind of puts on different hats at different times or his character has kind of changed throughout Scripture. Again, there's heresies everywhere. We have to avoid all that. Um, so we're going to go there because uh, I heard this statement once that most preachers underestimate their church's intelligence but overestimate their maturity. So underestimate their intelligence and overestimate their spiritual maturity. Um, now I'd like to think that we've got both. You're smart people and you're becoming mature in Jesus but that's between you and the Lord. But it is a difficult thing to get our heads around, but it's a beautiful doctrine. I'm going to unpack why. But C.S. Lewis wrote about the Trinity and our difficulty understanding it. And he said, if you can try and imagine that we actually lived in a two-dimensional world. So circle, like, you know, a cube is not a cube or a sphere is not a sphere. It's just circles and squares. Everything's two-dimensional. And then if a a three-dimensional being or shape came into that dimension, you would still only see part of it. You couldn't understand that there's such a thing as a cube or a sphere. So C.S. Lewis uses this metaphor. He says, in God's dimension, so to speak, you find a being who is three persons while remaining one being, just as a cube is six squares while remaining one cube. Of course, we cannot fully conceive a being like that, just as if we were so made that we perceived only two dimensions in space, we could never properly imagine a cube. But we can get a faint notion of it. And when we do, we are then, for the first time in our lives, getting some positive idea, however faint, of something super personal, something more than a person. It is something we could never have guessed, yet once we have been told, one almost feels like one ought to have been able to guess it because it fits in so well with all the things we know already. Man, he's good. Dense, but good. But you guys are intelligent, so we're all good. It's a crucial, this is crucial to understanding God's nature. Absolutely vital, which is why I like the fact the church calendar cycles through it. I don't know how many sermons you've heard on the Trinity, but welcome to Bay Vineyard. Every year we're going to go here because it's so central to God's character. Tozer said, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. What comes into our mind, and so we've all got a journey to take for our entire lives of coming to healing about who God is. And like coming, this is why Paul so fervently prayed that you would have a, that there'll be a spirit of wisdom and revelation. He prayed over the church in Ephesus. So it'd be like, oh, that's who you are. That's amazing, God. You know, um, uh, I'm looking forward to chatting with some of our young adults this week uh, at, at their home church. But one of the things that, that often I hear, particularly for younger Christians, is this like, 
God told me I need to do, you know. Some of you guys may be feeling that after my building spiel this morning. God's telling me to go be generous again, you know. And you know what that reflects is that you don't know who he is. Because everything he calls us to is motivated by pure love and leads us to life. There's no condemnation in Christ Jesus. He's the most wonderful being. God is the most incredible being ever. And it's the journey of our life to discover that more and more and more. And the doctrine of the Trinity steers us in the right direction to discover a God who's pure love. Now, throughout the New Testament, the concept of the Trinity is assumed everywhere, but it's, it's there in the background. It's not really there in the foreground. So it's not like there's a passage where you can go and it's like, here's a clear, concise explanation of the Trinity. It's just assumed. For example, in Luke 3 verse 21, uh, it says, when the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. And as he was praying, heaven opened, the Holy Spirit descends on him in bodily form like a dove. And then a voice from heaven says, this is my son whom I love with you, I am well pleased. We have this Trinitarian moment. There's these moments where it's kind of explicit, which is like that one, but it's just underneath uh, most of the scriptures. In today's text, it's really interesting. It says, uh, Jesus says, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now, it doesn't say into the names of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, into the name, singular. Uh, and so, uh, and what's incredible here, this, we're gonna hit, this is, we're gonna come to land with this, and again, short sermon, hallelujah. Um, but the word in there, uh, this is the strongest concordance, <laughs> nerd alert, uh, is, is like denotes entrance into. So, this, so Jesus is saying, in the name singular of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, three beings, we baptize you into this Trinitarian community. Now, when you start to think about what that means, that is a whole like, because amongst the Trinity, like they've been around forever. And, uh, and it's crucially important that we understand this because love is only a concept if it's not relational, right? So like if I stuck you in a room on your own and was like, now live a life of love, good luck. You've got to have some sort of object of your love, right? And so God, before the foundation of the world, could be love because he hasn't needed to create anything to love because within himself, there are three beings made of one person still, mysterious, cross your eyes, I know it's a little bit of a, and yet they love each other and rejoice and delight in one another. And we can see all of this happening throughout the New Testament as this sheer delight of Jesus of blessing the Father. And then the Father going on, well, pleased with you, mate, you know, Holy Spirit there just swirling between them all, giving glory to one another, this community filled with power perfect joy, perfect peace, and perfect love. And we get caught up in that. That's good news. It's phenomenal. Like if, if God is Trinity, then he, His essence is love. So this is the thing. Often people get confused between attributes of God and His essence. Now God has attributes of justice and mercy and holiness. They're all like a diamond attributes. But what's God's essence Love. So his justice comes out of love. His mercy comes out of love. His, his holiness is birthed out of love. It all finds its essence in love. 
His judgment comes out of love. Everything is is this pours out of a being of love. And how can he be in a being? It's because he's three in one. It's so significant. And then you get baptized into that. This is incredible. Um, sorry, I'm getting warmed up now on the Trinity. I didn't plan this. This was going to be a dry one, but here we go. Tim, Tim Keller says, if, this is very good. If, if God is unipersonal, then until God created other beings, so those just singular, there was no love, since love is something that one person has for another. This means that a unipersonal God was power and sovereignty and greatness from all eternity, but not love. Love, then, is not the essence of God, nor is it the, is at the heart of the universe. Power is primary. However, good, good however, here we go. If God is triune, then loving relationships and community are the great fountain at the center of reality. Oh. When people say God is love, I think they mean that love is extremely important or that God wants us to love. But in the Christian conception, God really has love as his essence. If he was just one person, he couldn't have been all loving for all eternity. If he was only the impersonal all soul of Eastern thought, he couldn't have been loving for love is something persons do. Ultimate reality is a community of persons who know and love one another. Just incredible. Just how beautiful that is. God is love. God is love. Um, you know, this, the Bible is not a flat text where every single verse has got the same weight. Here we go. This is just biblical. The shellfish prohibitions in Leviticus have slightly different weight than the glorious Christology of Colossians. No one should be sitting there going, hello. I mean, this is... And so there is this beautiful revelation of what God is like that finds its fullness in Jesus coming to us. So we read all of the Old Testament through the lens of the revealed God in Jesus, right? That's how we read. This is basic 101 Christianity. This is nothing. This is 101. You read the Old Testament through the lens of Jesus, you don't, the Old Testament will never trump the words of Jesus because he is the Logos. He's the revealed word of Christ. And so then like there's this like, oh, that's what God is like. He's, he's like Jesus. Hallelujah. And then as, uh, as, as the story continues and Jesus ascends and the Spirit fills the church, you've got John. Now, John um, used to be called a son of thunder. What is it? He's just arguing all the time with his brother. And it's like just, you could hear them a mile away. Because my kids are like this, actually. I'm just realizing now. So I'm like, they're called the sons of thunder. And it's like, oh, hello, boys. <laughs> That's exactly what they're like. <laughs> but, uh, but something happens for John where by the end of his life, he's known as the apostle of love. And God has so changed him because John, John says, particularly 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, these are written very late in terms of the, the canon of Scripture. So here we have John, who's been with Jesus in the flesh, sees, goes through all this stuff, but then has decades in the church experiencing what we experience, an infilling of the Holy Spirit and sitting with the resurrected Jesus who's ascended, whose presence is with us, but who's no longer there in bodily form. And there's something so changes in John's life over those years that then he just gets all gushy. He moves from being son of thunder to like, love, love, love. I mean, have you read 1 John, 2 John? It's like, oh, 
you know, like, calm down, mate. You know, what happened to Sons of Thunder, ACDC rock on, you know, to this guy who's all gushy, love, love, love. And what's happened is he sat in the presence of the triune God and had his heart melted that he's love. And so if you're looking for, like, uh, Zahn talk, Brian Zahn talks about the Bible being like, um, been like a mountain range and you've got, you know, you've got moments of revelation and you've got valleys of all sorts of rubbish going on. But in terms of an understanding of God, you've got these high mountain peaks that are the guides for us. It's like when you're navigating in a mountain, like you look, that's my true north, that's where I'm going. And 1 John 4, 8 and 16 are like these giant peaks that jut out of Scripture. Next, uh, it's in there somewhere, Josh. Um, there we go. But anyone who does not love does not know God. For what? For God is love. We know how much God loves us and we've put our trust in His love. God is love. And all who live in love live in God and God lives in them. This is just incredible. This is who, like the Trinity is crucial. And here's my prayer this morning, friends, is that you would begin to believe that He's love. Like all of us need to continue to take a journey to just deeply believe it in our hearts that God's essence is love. Like, what are you, what are you going through right now that's just stink? Some of you guys got a lot going on. Man, isn't it beautiful that God is love, that He's with you in the midst of all of that? Would you just let His love heal your broken heart? You know, there's this classic psych- psychological reality that you become who you hang out with, you become like your friends. Why, you know, say to our kids, it's important, you know, we want them to pick good friends, right? Because the friends influence their behavior and what and what's normal in that friendship group becomes normal. So we become like the 10 closest people that we hang out with and all the rest of it. This is why having a devotional life is pretty helpful. Because I want to become like him. And I want to, I want I don't want just doctrine of Trinity, I want experience of Trinity, where I'm sitting there tomorrow morning, and it's like the try, I'm like. I'm, I'm in this, <laughs> the joy and the peace, but supremely, I'm just, I'm in this, this whirlwind of love. Make me like, like melt my heart, heal me of my grief and my anger and all these things that I've got. And Lord, would I just know your love. If you have a healthy image of God, if you understand the Trinity, you're going to find so much life and joy in sitting in the presence of God because you've grasped it. He's love. John, I'm going to come into land with this. John, he runs amazed. Really? How long's the runway? Everyone's asking. <laughs> Some of those airports in America are huge. You trundle along for ages. Yeah, we'll find out. John 17, 24 to 26. Would you just try and hear Jesus' heart here for you? Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you, and they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. He just wants, like, Jesus' his, his final discourse uh, before he was crucified was that we would just understand that we are part of this triune whirlwind of love and that we would deeply know that. 
So this is the wonderful invitation of the gospel. Like some of us have to wrestle with the fact that we don't feel worthy of this. And that's why we take communion every week here at Bay Vineyard is because I, I, need, <laughs> I need the body and blood of Jesus constantly uh, to remind myself that I don't earn my way into this relationship. It's a free gift given because of what Jesus has done on the cross for me. Isn't that amazing? It's just it's, it's something we receive. And so I don't, the invitation of the gospel isn't first of all to try and live a good life or to behave. The invitation of the gospel and, and of Jesus in this moment is to recognize God's greatness and the wonder of the life that we find ourselves in. And, and we can just let go of all these attempts to impress other people. We can forget all the condemnation. We can drop our judgments of ourselves and others. And we can yield to love. We can yield to love. That's the invitation of the Trinity. And so this morning, um, I want to pray for us that God would, would just pour out his love upon us afresh. That we would just be people that have grasped it. And, you know, and Paul's prayer, again, was that there will be a spirit of wisdom and revelation. You know, the Holy Spirit loves doing this. The Holy Spirit loves revealing how loved we are by God. It's just like he loves doing it. He loves us like... Uh, so I just know, I've been in this game a long time, friends. I've been, I'm a second-generation pastor. You know, I've been in full-time ministry 20 years. And like, I just keep discovering his love more and more and more. It just keeps blowing me away. And, you know, my brokenness, and I've, I've had plenty of stupid things I've had to work through in my life. But, you know, I, I was reflecting the other day, I've been loved into holiness and righteousness. I haven't gritted my teeth into it. When I finally accepted that God is love and that he's so filled with grace and mercy, I've, like, I feel like I've been loved into life. I've been loved into wholeness. And so it doesn't matter what you feel like. We constantly base our relationship with God on what we feel like. How about we base it on what he feels like towards us? And he's faithful and he's constant and his grace is, is, is sufficient. But above all, he loves you. The Bible, the Bible says he rejoices over you with singing. Literally, if you dive into some of the, the original language stuff, like he's, he's spinning like a top is the literal translation with love for you. Can you just try and imagine that for a second, that right now God's like, you're awesome, I love you. And like we look at ourselves and we're like, I'm a bit of a mess. And he's like, I love you, you're awesome. And he's like, join us in the Trinity. And you step into the Trinity and it's like joy and love and peace. And you're awesome. You're awesome. I love you. You're the best. I'm so proud of you. Look at the way you did that. That's amazing. Oh, you're awesome. No, you're awesome. You just get caught up in that. Do you know how good that is for your self-esteem? Let's hang out in that triune love. Isn't it amazing that we worship a God three in one? Yes, it's a bit of a perplexing one. But that's who he is. And we just sang about it. Sorry, the words went up. But we, you know, he's, he's three in one. What a beautiful, beautiful reality. So let's just receive the love of God this morning. I, I, I understand before you broken jar clay, but he puts his treasure in jars of clay. Hallelujah. His powers made perfect in weakness. But I can't drum up the love of God for you. That's something that only God can do. It's just reveal it. And we need to be reminded of that every single day, how loved and precious we are to him. So let's just receive that this morning. Um, and.